What's up, y'all? What was that laugh? I don't know. I just like that song so much, man. It's like the best, best fucking part ever of the week. It's just such a good song. In fact, I argue Mm -hmm. that that is the best intro song in all of crypto podcasting. I'm going to agree with that because I haven't heard another crypto podcast. Actually, no, I have, but it didn't have a theme song like that exactly bro ours yeah. is just so good bro it just makes me dance it makes me feel good in my chest mm-hmm. <laughs> anyways everybody welcome to um used to be a bitcoin no i'm kidding a bitcoin podcast the bitcoin podcast uh i'm the host that talks first a bitcoin podcast no a bitcoin, the bitcoin podcast the the um i'm the host that talks first d I think that's your line, Corey. <laughs> I think his internet might have cut out. Having internet issues. <laughs> uh oh. Okay. No, nope. that's where he says, and I'm the host that talks next, Doctor Corey Petty. He always uses the pause for, for <laughs> theatrical. Why are you laughing? It's true. He does the theatrical pause, Doctor. He waits for. This is a really long theatrical pause. Yeah, he waits for it. He waits to see if any brawls are going to come flailing towards him that he'll have to dodge. And he's like, Petty, Dr. Petty. And then... <laughs> and the host that talks second. He's down there. The host talks... Oh, right. sh- he's gone again. Where it's not going to happen. I don't think we're going to get him. The host that talks third is right over... There, Jesse broke. That's right, <laughs> Jesse. Why do they call you broke, bro? You called me broke. Wait, I don't know, dude. To be honest, I think it was funny because I think I was trading in 2017, and I was like, "Man, I'm broke." So I changed my name to Broke. You came into the Slack with the name Broke. Yeah. So then I, I must have been like, I just put Broke for some reason. You know, there is a neat, a unique life trick is that you end up saving more money over time mm-hmm. if you consider yourself broke. That's a good thing to know. Like I sometimes will look at things and I'm like, oh, I can't afford that. Knowing that I can, but I, in my mind, I tell myself I'm broke. Mm. Right. And then yeah. like three months goes by and it's like, whoa, I'm so much less broke than I was three months ago than when I decided that I was broke to buy that one thing that I didn't need to buy. But, but then do you buy it? Do you buy it three months no. later? No, I've lived when it comes to large purchases, which mm-hmm. the definition of large purchase for me has changed over the years. I've lived under the, the six month principle. Okay. If I say, hey, I want a thing that costs, you know, four stacks. 
Mm-hmm. Not four stacks, but four digits. I want to mm-hmm. think. Six months later, I'll ask myself the same question. Mm-hmm. If I either forget to ask the question or the answer to the question is now, no, I don't want the thing anymore, then I don't mm-hmm. buy it. So six months is how long you give yourself? Yeah. I, hmm. I used, I originally applied it to tattoos, right? If it takes you six months and you still decide that a tattoo can belong on your body, mm-hmm. then you probably do want the tattoo and you'll be okay with recognizing it about every six months when you take your clothes off. You're like, oh shit. Yeah. I forgot about that tattoo. <laughs> can you imagine if you're the guy who like has amnesia and then you're like, ah, I don't remember getting that. I don't like it. <laughs> I've, I've legitimately forgot about my tattoo multiple times in life. <laughs> right. And I look in the mirror and I'm like, oh shit, I forgot about that. Yeah. That's a pretty dope tattoo. Interesting. Is it like, or is it, or is it located? Right here in my arm. Can you see? I can't. No, I can't. Okay. Oh, okay. I don't know what it says, but I can see like writing. It says a lot, bro. So, okay. <laughs> so anyways, let's get into the show. This is the Bitcoin podcast uh, where we rarely talk about Bitcoin anymore because it's just not as interesting as it used to be. Today, we had a very interesting interview, interviewed a man by the name of Jonathan Chester, also known as Sean Lennon. Um, and he, okay, he doesn't look exactly like Sean Lennon, but you know, there's a resemblance. Um, anyways, Bitwage, hell of a mm-hmm. company. Before we get into that, though, Jess, we got some fucking whopper, uh, whopper talking points to discuss here. Are you ready for today? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you sure that you're ready for today? I, I think I am. So guess who got called in? Who guess who got the unsolicited Vitalik Buterin Calvary help this week? Dogecoin. The Doge community. How did you know that? You must have looked at the show notes. No, I think I saw that. But then I saw it at the top of the show notes as well. Dude. So a once defunct coin has now been given basically the blessing and kibosh from Vitalik Buterin himself, who loved the Doge community, always was involved with the Doge community way back in 2014, 2015, 16. A uh, defunct token has now been given the blessing by Vitalik, and they can have a little bit of development going on. A little bit of changes going on because there really there's no reason to use Doge, but until like I guess this year when people all of a sudden were like, you know what? I do want to pay for my Snickers bars and dog money, and I'm gonna make this real. Why did he start working with them like officially? Let's let's take a look. He jo- so Ethereum co-creator Vitalik Buterin will help shape the future of Dogecoin after joining the Tokens Foundation. So he's joined the foundation. He's saying, mm-hmm. look, I want to be a part of what roots this community and technology for the years to come. And I want to be a, a part of the foundation. So I do appreciate the slow but gradual increase in Vitalik's ability to uh, take care of his hair. It's gotten pretty good lately. Didn't start out so great. But, um, you know, he's proved to said that the link between Dogecoin and Ethereum could be possible. I mean, this is just an article from MSN. <laughs> MSN.com. It's a Business Insider article. Um, it's probably got a lot of verbiage in there around, of, you know, like, hey, uh, you know, Doge to the moon. This is it. You guys, you did it. 
you know, I wonder how many listeners we have out there are like, man, when Doge gets to a dollar, I'll be a thousand hair. I don't know. Do you, do you have a lot of Doge? Mm, no, I think Corey had a lot because he mined it. Mm-hmm. And then now he doesn't. Mm. So you'd have to ask Corey about that. Do you have a lot of Doge? Are you mining Doge right now? Mm-mm. I have no Doge. How dare you? Mm. I don't know. Will you ever own Doge? Will I ever own it? No, probably not. Yeah, I'll never own it. But, you know, a lot of people do. Wait, <laughs> you have Shiba Inu. <laughs> you should convert I, that. <laughs> that was, bro, that was not. Okay, so this is a funny story. I'm chilling. Mm-hmm. Chilling in my friend's crib mm-hmm. on Saturday morning. And he's like, bro, Shiba Inu could go to the moon. And I was like, not really, though. And, <laughs> and he was like, but what if it does? And I was like, I mean, then it does. And he's like, we should put an ether into Shiba, Shiba Inu. And I was like, all right. Hey, what's up? I think it works now. It's the host of Talk Second, Dr. Corey Pay. Welcome to the show, man. How's it going? <laughs> I hope it works now. I hope it works now. I'm at the beach. Uh, I can't guarantee that my internet connection is going to be as good as it usually is. So it's all good, everybody. Welcome back, Corey. I was just telling Jesse the story of why I have 38 million Shiba Inu. So <laughs> hold on. Uh, Do you really? Yeah, he has. He has a lot of Shiba around Inu. there. It's in and around there. So how much is that worth? Like three bucks? I have no idea. No, no, no. It's worth more than that. But uh, I was chilling over at a buddy's house and I was helping them <laughs> with some crypto stuff. And he was like, let's buy some Shiba Inu. And I was like, no. <laughs> and he goes, come on, man. It could go to the moon. And he was like, come on, man. Take a risk. What do you got to lose? And I was like, well, with money. My, yeah. Money's, money's what I have to lose. Right. Oh, he's out. He's done. He's out for the count. Corey's gone. So I was like, I was like, money's what I had to lose. So I ended up like, uh, I'm just making a small bet on Shiba. And I have like millions and millions and millions of Shiba. Just because so random. I was like, you know what? Fuck it. It's Saturday afternoon. I got money to blow. I remember the Drake song. I got money to blow. Y'all remember that song? No, I don't know. No. Getting it in, letting the bills fall all over their skin. No, no nope. need to blow. It's about going to the strip club, blowing your money. I get it. I never seen, never heard of it. It's one of this. It was it was the song before the first album. Was it the first album? There was a song. The there's album? a song that Drake had where he's like a like a the video, like the official music video. Is he's like a I don't know, like a trash collector. He's a trash man. Yeah, yeah, that one's uh working on the weekends like usual. Yeah, yeah, they played that after every single song that I tried to play on YouTube, and I got so mad that I just basically banned all of Drake. Dang, damn, Drake got like banned I can't, in the petty household. Like, like, I was so tired of her hearing that fucking song. I would, I would play like a rock song, and it'd be like the next song, be like working on the weekend like usual. Like, get the fuck out of here! I'm not trying to listen to the song again. <laughs> maybe it's your fault bro maybe you listen to a lot of drake and youtube's just like i, I don't. know this motherfucker wants I to don't. listen to drake in the future. absolutely like it's not like kaleo drake is like youtube algorithm no that's not how it works like why are you trying to sell me drake so hard yeah right 
Somewhere in your cookies, there's a lot of Drake. <laughs> I just got a weird mental image of Drake chilling in a pile of cookies. It's weird. But anyway. Anyway, so I own a lot of Shiba Inu. And if it gets to a, if it gets to a certain price, I'm gonna be one of those people. It's like if it gets to a dollar, oh my god. No, it's not. Oh, you're gonna like start shilling out of the podcast now? I think you're this is gonna be like brought to you by Shiba Inu. <laughs> like like never. Never ever. I I would not do that. My morals are above that. So, uh, is this, hold wish. on, hold on, hold on. Is this the same? This is this isn't the same podcast. This, this isn't the same crypto that Vitalik like burned most of, or is it? Yeah, that's the one. Mm-hmm. But you have a lot of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it tanked a lot. What's the What's the point of it? I don't think there's a point of it, man. I just was like, my the person I was chilling was a like, man. You're so conservative. You never take any risks because I I think we had just finished the conversation like from weeks prior of like. You know, I had all these opportunities to make a shit ton of money in crypto, but I'm really conservative. Mm-hmm. One yeah. and two, yeah. I don't like to. Um, I don't know. It seems kind of shady. You know what I'm saying? Like some of the stuff yeah. we've been offered. Well, it's, like, it's it's more about. I don't know. You want to get into it? Like, assuming this be a topic a little bit. Like, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. What's the topic? Random shit coins. <laughs> the topic is motivation, and like what you're spending your time doing like like and you said something there and that is we've had the opportunity to make a bunch of money on a bunch of dumb shit over the years that we've done this stuff yeah and for some reason we've chosen not to do it so why is that wait i thought the point is that he did that he bought well, you no, this was yeah but like he didn't make a bunch of money on it yeah because he bought it at the top i haven't made a bunch of money on it i don't think i bought it at the tippy top but basically, the, the person that I was chilling with was like, "Man, take a risk. You never take any risks. You got to take risks." And the person you didn't I was take any risks. You you have a you have the Bitcoin podcast. We need to take a yeah. fucking risk. You spent like two years of your life working on a podcast, not doing anything else. That's very true. That's very true. You don't take any risks. The fuck out of here. But like you know, risks monetarily. But you buy Bitcoin, you buy crypto. That's a risk in and of itself. Yeah, that most people aren't willing you to make do. risks. Like, like you made a bunch of risks. They just turned out to be good risks. Now that we look back at it, compared to like when you bought Bitcoin and you you like I sold you basically. Mm-hmm. You made a you made a huge risk. Like you when you when you decided to sink, I don't know twenty five hundred dollars into a mining rig. Yeah. Back in two thousand and. 13 yeah that's a big risk but like now it seems like an obvious thing to do well he had a good point that now that i have benefited i should be doing like hodl plus 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 like i should be taking risks with it to make it multiply and the only reason i I was like i'm going for it is because this specific friend of mine is a very wealthy person like very wealthy takes risks owned several business owned probably double digit businesses in his time here on the earth has businesses worth lots and lots of monies. He takes risks. I witness it every day. It takes him like five minutes. Then he'll be like, yeah, cool. Here's 15 K boom, let it rip. And then like six, eight months later, he's like, man, it's crazy. It's made a lot on that 15 K. It's wild. You want to go to the bar? It's gone. You know, well, you know, or that, and I don't, I don't think it's that because you know I work with this person on a daily basis. So, but you just said he made a bunch of companies, right? Oh yeah, he's had a lot. How many of those companies failed? Well, all but four. How many? <laughs> how many is it in total? 
Oh, I don't want to get this per- put this person's business in the street, oh. but I'm pretty sure it's close to double digit company, nine to twelve somewhere in there. I don't know all the ones he did or didn't, but I'm not going to put the person's business in the street too much. But they are a close friend of mine. All right, and so like this gets into the concept of what it's a calculated your, risk. It, what well, no, but what's your risk appetite, right? Like, yeah, what amount of money do you have to put at risk? And when we're talking about investing or gambling at this point. In cryptocurrency, gamble. Shiba Inu is a gamble. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's it's gambling. People, a lot of people, most people, the massive majority of people, do not have money to gamble. Yeah, hold up. I gotta pause you guys for a second. Today's episode is brought to us by Shiba Inu. Uh, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's a bad joke. That's a bad joke, but it's it is a joke. We actually do need to pause for the cause. A, okay, no, we should. We should. We do have. We do have sponsors. We have a sponsor. Today's show is brought to to you. To you by <laughs> We're Gate. still sponsored so, by Manscaped. <laughs> I'm not a thousand percent sure we are anymore, but let's <laughs> let's keep it rolling. So, uh, Manscaped.com, you can get yourself a lawnmower. Why is Daniel making that face at you? Why is Daniel trying to make your panties explode? Because he's trying to tell you, women listening, all three of you, that. <laughs> He uses a lawnmower 4.0 on his underparts, on his undercarriage, if you will. And if you live in the North, you know the importance of keeping a well-groomed undercarriage. Now, let me tell you something. The lawnmower 4.0 comes with the LED light on the, on the front. Super bright. Why do you need an LED light on the front? So you can see those little tiny hairs. Clip them. Right. Comes with a relatively quiet motor. So people won't think that you, our man, are using a vibrator in the shower. Wireless charging. That's right. Uh, What else do we got? We got stainless steel blades. It's all Daniel's face. Hold up. Oh, oh, creeping above Daniel's face. Go get a lot more 4.0. And use the promo code uh, TBPN Smooth. And you can get 20% off when you check out. That's right. You thought you were paying 100 bucks, but you're only paying 80 plus tax. About 8.25% tax, you know, so 20%, you know, you do the math on that. Anyways, you get a 20% off coupon when you use TBPN Smooth, baby. So go buy yourself a lawnmower 4.0. All right. There's only two tools this man needs. His trusty axe for felling trees and the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0 for shaving my balls. Oh, okay, I'm back. <laughs> That's how I danced <laughs> to that commercial. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Go to Manscaped. I think I said you danced to everything. <laughs> if I were listening to like Mozart, I gotta say, legit, I enjoy it. I do too. Um, my favorite part about it is the vibration on my testicles. <laughs> Damn, I think we just lost the sponsor. No, I'm kidding. My favorite part about the lawnmower 4.0 is obviously the fact that I can use it in the shower and now. I, I used to be in the Corey Club where I used my my boleta shaver on my face as well, right? But I don't have to do that anymore. I don't have to be that gross Neanderthalic person anymore. <laughs> and I can use 
a separate razor for my boletas and my face. <laughs> so, you know, you don't need to do that. Little... Yes, you do, bro. You absolutely do. You don't need like, to do that. It's different I mean, like, types of skin, bro. There's, there's different, there are different types of skin. You can't. No, it's not. Them. It ain't. You can't use nut microbes and put them on your face microbes. You're gonna create a microbe imbalance. You're gonna create a, a civil war of microbes on your face. Ask Jesse. He's the, he's the soon to be doctor. He knows all about chemicals, bro. <laughs> I don't think. Uh... I don't think Corey can argue back with you. I think his internet is a little bit spotty. Exactly. That means I win. So let's get back. <laughs> let's get back to the task. So, um, so, so, so here's, here's the dope thing, right? So um, crypto mining got shaken up this year. In fact, I said for the first time to that very same friend, I've been talking about the whole episode, the fundamentals have changed. Right. I used to for, for years now, I said, hey, crypto is still doing what it does. Fundamentals haven't changed, but the fundamentals have changed this year. And they changed when China said, hey, no more Bitcoin mining here, fam. It's not going down like that, fam. Bitcoin mining ain't busting in China no more. And so the world was like, shit, man, if crypto mining's not busting in China, where's it supposed to go? Jesse, where does it go? Germany and the U.S. and everybody all every every other country. Mining's picking up again. It bottomed out at ninety-one exahashes, and now it's up to one hundred and twenty-eight one hundred and twenty-eight exahashes, and it's going up consistently every day. Which means these miners have found a home. Which mm-hmm. means one of two things: they've actually moved, or China's just using one giant proxy network, and we don't know where the miners are anymore. No, I'm kidding. How cool would that possible. be? It wouldn't be that. I mean, cool I'd love like that. that if, like, I'd love it if, like, we didn't know where tra- where like miners were. That'd be even better. Like, that'd be way better to like. Ah, uh, I don't know. Like, it goes back and forth. I kind of want to know where the distribution of power is. Like, where the energy is coming from. And then I kind of don't, at the same time. And I'm not sure which which like part of my body is going to win this argument. Mm-hmm. I was watching this documentary called The Core, and apparently there's like endless energy in the center of the Earth. Yeah, yeah, same thing for the sun, you know, the thing that just feeds us a bunch of energy. Yeah, that works too. We just got to get down there. <laughs> According to that movie, once you make it past the crust, the mantle's pretty gooey. So, you know, I think that, that's a remake, right? Like the, the one you watched was a remake of the original Core. It was like, it was like 76 or something like that. That's why so. that movie exists. I was like, this movie is shit. No, they, How did they it re- get the they green made, They made like I thought Journey to the Center of the Earth, I think was the name of the original movie. Oh no, they remade Journey to the Center of Earth. And oh, it is terrible. There's like lizard people and they're like like hanging out in like caves. And it's just like they just like show up and they like walk, they just like walk down to the core. That's the that's the Will Ferrell movie. Journey to the Center no. of the Earth. Isn't it? No, the core was like, 2003 movie. The Journey to the Center of the Earth had, uh, I think, Brendan Fraser. Oh, that's that not was what that I'm thinking kids about. Kids movie. And there that's was an old about. 1959 version of that's Journey to the about. Center of the Earth. That's but that was the that was the movie. It was a remake called Journey to the Center of the Earth, and it was also titled the same. Terrible movie. I just had zero, zero science involved. 
Jesse, how are you Googling so fast and so quiet? Because huh? he doesn't look at the camera. No, because I've got a sweet ass keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I like it. Today's episode is brought to you. No, I'm kidding. We should, yeah. We need is there some crypto stuff happening this episode? Yeah, 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 yeah. So Bitcoin mining. So cryptocurrency mining. This is an article brought to us by The Guardian. You know, it's flocking to rural Texas, right? Which is wild to me that Texas of all places, Bitcoin mining is just flocking to. But I well, would they got love, a separate energy grid. You got that going for them. Yeah. I would love to be able to define this term flocking. But what I will say is that this is going to be a recurring thing that we see in states that allow it and states that actually innovate and want it there. Wyoming and Minnesota, I believe, are very lenient towards crypto. And I do believe... About three years ago, Wyoming was the first state to actually fund a crypto mine. It was either Wyoming, Dakota, or Minnesota. One of those states that do we want way up there. Do we do we want new oil burning mines back online to do Bitcoin? How do we know they're oil burning? How do we know they won't be some let's see what they are? Are they, are they new or are they old ones being regenerated? If they're old ones being regenerated, they're they're oil burning or coal burning. If they're new, then there might be a chance that it's some type of like a renewable energy source, which I isn't, do know that, isn't likely. I do know the ones near Austin, which are supposed to be two, are new facilities. So I've, I've also heard quite a few of like old abandoned energy like uh energy generators have been turned back on in order to be used for mining operations and then by and large those are oil and coal burning like you know co2 producing factories do we want that is that something we want I don't. I don't. I don't think. I think it's. A, I think it's stupid. Want that. I just don't see why but you can't. From take a business like perspective, a that's what's going to happen. And like, like you take like a windmill and plug some Asics into it. Just seems. I know that's very trivial of it, Jesse. But, yeah. Super internet skills. What does a home windmill generator produce? Uh, in terms of kilowatt hours, and what is the required wattage of a mining operation that is profitable? Look at them, Google. I would thousand. guess. I would guess. Mm-hmm. Those don't. Those don't. Those don't cross. Look at them, Google. Like my intuition says that how much profit the do you want to make? Renewable energy resources you have. <laughs> Yeah, like sure, breaking even. That's that, that sounds like a terrible idea. <laughs> sounds like a terrible idea. All right, let's see. Wait, what's what because, hash rate are we operating with? Well, it depends on what mining. But it depends on what mining gear you have, yeah, which is a very so, difficult so what situation. Are, what are we using? We're using straight up horsepower, baby. We're using the fucking Ferrari of Asics, baby. Give me, give me like a like a S9. ballpark hash rate that you want S- to work with. S nine minor. I think that's what they're on now. I don't. How, know. Okay, so how many? Fifteen. 
15 of them? Okay. Psych, five. No, no, 15 is good. 73. I think 15 is a reasonable thing. You have, yeah, you have yeah, an operation. Yeah. You have an operation. Yeah. 15 yeah, is a, an, an amount of like, ant miners or whatever you have yeah. in line. Man, do you guys have any idea how much money Shang-Chi is going to make? Shang-Chi. Who is that? See, it's this new Marvel movie. The guy. Oh, I thought that, that was like the Mortal Kombat guy. No, no, no. He's the. Dude. I don't know anything about him. I'm not even gonna begin. I don't even know nothing about him. I know he's Damn. got something to do with the Iron Man lore. Anyways, go go on. What are we? So an Anwiner uses thirty two point four kilowatts per day. Just one, or, or nine hundred seventy two thousand kilowatt hour per month. A lot. And a home. A home windmill generates. I had it pulled up. I think it's something. Uh, I love this. We're doing some fact finding. Clickety sure. clackety. Let's see. Right. It says a 1.5 kilowatt wind turbine will meet the needs of a home requiring 300 kilowatt hours per month in a location with 14 mile per hour. Yeah, so like 300 kilowatt hours. That's Oof. and then one ant miner is what was it again? You 32, said 9, 32, 32 kilowatt hours per day, 972 kilowatt hours per month. Yeah, so you can't even run one. You can run you can run a third of an ant miner for a All home. Right. All right, so turbine. let's go with like solar. What about solar? Right? You know, solar's a really, really big thing going on right now. You get like the Tesla, you get a power wall. How much you get a bunch um, of Whoa, how, how, much roof, how much roof? How much roof area do you have? Um, Are you building like a stand? Hundred square, square meters. Okay, it's pretty good. That's a pretty good amount. That's a that's a lot of that's a lot of square meters, by the way. Well, roof. Oh, that's a that's a that's a lot of square meters, by the way. But like, why not? Let's just be let's be conservative. Be generous. You got a big ass house. Trying to make some trying to make some money mining Bitcoin. All right, so 100 square meters is about 1,076 square foot, and uh, you can generate 5 kilowatts per 400 square feet of space. So about 10 kilowatts, and then that's, let's see, uh, an area this size produced 350 to 850 kilowatt hour of AC energy per month. So, so you can maybe run two. Two right, S cool. two ant miners. You can run, you can run two ant miners at your house off of a hundred meters. Nothing square. else. You can't run your house on these things. All right, so mm-hmm. th- that's that's not my argument. I don't even really have an argument. What I'm saying is like if I'm the person that has acres and acres and acres of those giant action movie windmills that helicopters are always flying through and crashing on, <laughs> then. Why wouldn't I just plug up like three ant miners there and make a that, little juice it's a, while it's a, I'm juicing? Because like three ant miners is nothing in the Bitcoin mining world. Yeah, but you're making three ant something. miners is not worth the capital of buying three ant miners. Okay, okay. So what is worth the capital? I guess not. Well, so like so the power so the the solar panels would cost you like eleven grand. The ant miners are each like eleven, say 11 grand for a regular home. I say eleven grand is around maybe an average home for putting up solar panels, right? That's not enough to run ten. Like what did I say? Like 
100 square meters yeah that's mm-hmm. not that's not a, that's not you 100 square two. meters you can get two ant miners two s9 ant but an, aver- an average like home is not 100 square meters and that's only um so, 30 28 30 something terahash per second so that's like i'll just put i'll plug in 32 so it's, then it's, it's not it's not your it's not your average person it's not your average joe thing this is the, this is you so. need to be a company that has put a tremendous amount of capital into infrastructure that has a shitload of money to then buy a bunch of these things to compete. Yes, we've known that. We've known that for years. I guess then what it boils down to is that at the rate of change things are going, it's obvious that proof of stake or way delegated proof of stake, these systems are better in the long run for energy consumption. Corey's falling asleep. Damn. Corey. Three years to pay that off for no the Corey. infrastructure. Interesting. Three years to pay that off? Yeah, for like two, for, for the 100 uh, square meters of, of solar panels and then the two ant miners and then not including infrastructure costs of like, you know, conduit and also like, I don't know, maybe like oh. a place to store extra power. So this wasn't going to be a show about mining, really. If this show was going to be about anything, it was kind of centered around how there's three ways to three ways to get crypto, right? You can buy it, you can earn it, um, or you can get paid in it. Well, earning it and getting paid in the same thing. What's that third one? Validate it? it? No. Like validate it? Buy like it? That's, work that's for the earning network. it in my book. My in my my book, that's earning. Buy it, earn it. I'm feeling like I'm missing. You can buy it. One. You can Use earn it, it through like it. work. You can earn it. You can earn it through like other work, or you can like participate in the network and get paid. I used to know this bar, but I don't know it anymore. But any, buy it or earn it. Let's just stick to those two. That's that's easy enough. Um, I consider validating earning it because you're you know you're staking your resources to 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 to, to earn it. Uh oh, we're losing Doctor Petty. We're losing. Yeah, it. I tried. My internet, my internet's too bad here. I can't, I can't keep going. I'll see you next week. Adios. We'll see you next week, man. Love you all. <laughs> I'll see you on the internet. You want to give some shout outs? Uh, shout out to uh. No, don't do it. I got nothing. <laughs> got nothing. Right. Shout, right, shout out to shout out to Status because I work there. Love them. Great people. All right. See you later. I can dig it. See Corey. Bye, man. See, did you see how he looked up at his wife? Did you see how he looked? <laughs> he was like, "Shout out to nobody." Actually, I'm good. I'm all good. Nobody <laughs> got good enough shout outs today. <laughs> um, sorry. Uh, this show's kind of jumped around. No, it hasn't. We talked about mining for a while, so let's let's move on. So the the more the entire reason we started talking about mining is that the hash rate is redistributing and the fundamentals have changed. Right, the mm-hmm. fundamentals have changed. So uh, we'll see how that plays out. Now, there's something that doesn't get a lot of clout. Maybe it doesn't need a lot of clout. Maybe it does. But one of the biggest milestones um, right now for Bitcoin Lightning Network is that 58% of these nodes are earning yield, which is something that was like, you know, it was one of the reasons you would want to run a Lightning node because you would make money 
off of all the lightning transactions that went through your node, depending upon how much you staked to the lightning network, right? It's very similar to staking on Ethereum or staking on these other networks, not the same, but similar, right? You put up three Bitcoin worth of transaction value and basically any transactions worth zero to three Bitcoin. All right. Sorry. In between. Yeah. In between zero and three Bitcoin could go through your node. Right. It's pretty cool stuff, Jesse, when you'd like to, I mean, if it worked, if it worked exactly as advertised, mm-hmm. it would be pretty neat because then all of a sudden you have a routing of transactions and the theoretical upper limit of transactions per second on the Bitcoin Lightning Network becomes infinity, right? Uh, the Bitcoin Lightning Network is still very formidable in my eyes because it's doing exactly what it said it wanted to do, which was basically usher in transactions of like zero to 50 bucks, make them real quick, make them instantaneous, right? I just remember the guy that um, I interviewed from there. He quit his job like a few days after the interview. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, guys, don't talk about that. You can't talk about it yet. And we're like, oh. no, no, no. He didn't say that. You no, weren't there. It was a. Uh, it was. The, oh, well, I think yeah. I'm talking about. Um, who do we interview from Lightning Network twice? Anyways, he's probably still working for the Lightning Network. But um, that's a huge deal because what it does is it incentivizes you as a Bitcoin holder to then not just be a holder, but you mm-hmm. can actually, oh, Land of the Lost was that Will Ferrell movie, by the way, not Journey to the Center of the Earth. But mm-hmm. um, as, a, as a holder, you can then stake your Bitcoin on the Lightning Network, right? And then all of a sudden you're making money off of that Bitcoin. But there's so many ways to get yield off of your crypto nowadays. It's almost like people are using math on acid. Right now, you can wrap your Bitcoin and throw it on the Ethereum network or soon. I think if not now, you can wrap your Bitcoin and throw it on. Well, no, sorry. Using the same wrapped Bitcoin, you could throw it on the Avalanche DeFi uh, pair of Bitcoin and whatever. Right. You just have to worry about your impermanent loss. But nevertheless, um, people gloss over that. That'll be a, a topic for later that we can eventually go over. Impermanent loss. Mm hmm. I mean that's that's just as bad as losing in this space. I mean in in general, right? It does Money depend, making, though, right? It does depend. What do you mean? It, it does it depend. De- it depends on what you are going after. If you have impermanent losses in ether, but you have the impermanent gains in USDC, and you want USDC, then there's no problem there. You you said if you want your gains in USDC, but you have impermanent losses in ETH. Yeah. Like, for example, in that stupid little pool that I set up, I originally set it up with two. It was really ETH heavy and USDC. It's actually two pools, ETH USDC and ETH DAI. Mm-hmm. Right. Not a lot of money in total. It's like twenty seven hundred dollars in total. Mm-hmm. Right. I've now had what are quote unquote impermanent losses of Ether in the ETH USDC one. But the overall growth of the account and dollar value is way, way, way more than the twenty seven hundred that I put in. Right. But if you had put in the twenty seven hundred in like ETH two staking, I don't think it would have made as much. I really don't. Hmm. Would it? Let's think about it. Let's think about. It. So it was right in around what three point oh three ETH at the time. Hmm. So what's 5% on 3.03? Let's do that math real quick. 
You doing it? Three, yeah, times 0.05. In a year's time, it will have made 0.1515 Ether. And mm-hmm. the price of Ether right now is, let's multiply that by, let's just say 3,000. I will have made a whopping $454 worth of more Ether. I don't know, man. Sometimes it seems like it makes sense to me. Now, the only thing I'm worried about is the thing you guys have me so nervous about is you're like, when I take this money out of this liquidity pool, are the fucking transaction fees going to eat it down to where I haven't made as much money on this you know, like, that I thought I have? You when should I do that. You should like... What? Like. You should just risk your money, bro. No, I'm playing. I just want to, at a certain point, I think when this gets to a certain amount, I'm going to take the liquidity out, right? And just kind of mm-hmm. like see what's popping, see how it went so I can talk to you on the show. But it was a relatively small amount of money. It was 2700 $2, And I'm comfortable with saying that 2700 has grown to about 15000 right? So we're looking at gains of what's fifteen. Thousand uh, twenty seven hundred five point five x so not too shabby but That's also great. a lot that goes into that everyone so that you hear is also the price appreciation of crypto right so or is it like I don't know I need to I do but you're right I need to take this money out of there and I need to like talk to what happened when I took it out. So then people know. Mm-hmm. Right? You do a write up. You do like a little medium mm. post. I do talk ups, brother. Oh, talk okay. ups. <laughs> Good write up. What do I look like? A scientist out here in these streets? Hey, it's me again. Does your job still suck? Are you still mad at your job and therefore life sucking? Then you should join the Bitcoin podcast Slack, where the people there don't suck. Or at least their jobs don't. So, in essence, their lives don't either. Join the Slack. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another one of the Bitcoin Podcasts interviews. Uh, This one's special. We're streaming it. We're streaming it to Patreon. So if you're a patron, you know, if you're one of those lucky people that were like, you know what? You know, I'm going to give them a little bit of money every month because I'm picking up what they're putting down. You're seeing it. You're seeing it live. You're seeing the beauty in action. If you're not a patron, what's wrong with you? All right. Now, Jonathan Chester, welcome back to the show. Yeah. Happy to be back. It's been four years. Uh, You were in our first 20 episodes, actually. Episode 15 of the Bitcoin podcast, which was many, many moons ago. For those of you, you core listeners, you're like, oh, man, I remember that episode. For those of you that don't, you need to go back and listen to it. But uh, Jonathan is the, the the founder and CEO of of Bitwage. So, welcome back, man. It's uh, it's been some time. Yeah, yeah, it's it's been a long while. I mean, four years is like a millennia in 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 Bitcoin years, especially for owning a company. In- <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I think crypto alone is responsible for at least two thirds of my gray hairs in the past eight years. And we don't so, even own companies. Yeah. <laughs> we just talk about it. Yeah. So, um, must be nice. <laughs> so real quick, I think just for all the new listeners, we know that are listening, 
Um, you know, what is Bitwage? Just like if you had to give them the elevator pitch. Yeah, so we are a Bitcoin and uh, crypto payroll invoicing and benefits services company. Um, we have two main products. We have a B2B product where a company signs up, can offer the benefit of uh, Bitcoin or crypto partial salary to their employees or freelancers and also pay their, their global freelancers using Bitcoin, crypto, stable coins with a single click of a button. We also have a B2C product, which allows anyone who's getting paid, an employee, a freelancer, a gig worker, to receive any portion of their salary in, in, in Bitcoin or, or, or other crypto. So we get people who are getting paid from Uber, Airbnb, from Facebook, Google. Um, people have gotten their stimulus checks through us, uh, oh. US Navy and the World Health Organization. It's, it's, it's really a whole grab bag of people who've been using us. Um, we've been around since 2014. Last time I was on the show, I was just looking at this. We processed uh, about a million dollars of payroll volume. Uh, we have now processed over $100 million in, in payroll volume, have fit over 50,000 registered users and 2,000 registered companies using us. Woo. That's how does that sexy, work? Man. How, like, how does that? How does that? Like, how does that work? Wait a second. Wait. <laughs> pause. What kind of question is that? I think that's a reasonable question. Like, that's like the first question I would ask. The first question I did ask. How does that work? Like, how? What's the? What are the pipes? What are the tubes you're going through to make uh, to allow both like businesses jump through the hoops of paying people crypto? Or partially crypto, and for an individual to say, you know what, I don't, like, I would like to receive a portion of my salary in crypto or payment in crypto, depending on wh whatever I'm doing, but my employer doesn't offer that, and they go through you instead. How does that work? Sure. Yeah. So you know, the way I like to think about it is that we are connecting what is a traditionally a very old and, and conservative industry, which is the payroll and and HR services industries, and we're connecting that with the, the fast-moving, highly disruptive crypto industry. Um, and we do it separately, um, depending on whether it's the B2B or the B2C product. I'll start with the B2C, because um, I'm sure a lot of your viewers would be interested in that. Um, the way it works is you sign up, and we actually generate a bank account for you. Um, this bank account can be used to receive any kinds of, of salary or, or income payments from businesses. And then you connect that to whatever service is going to pay you. So you can connect it to your payroll provider, to um, you know the Airbnb, the Upworks, any sort of freelance marketplace. When the funds hit the account, you have preferences on where you want that money to go out. So you could say, I want 50% Bitcoin, 30% Ether, 20% dollars. So when the funds hit our account, we uh, have your wallets and your bank accounts. We do all the conversions and then we send it directly to your wallet of choice, whether it's you know a hardware wallet or a mobile wallet, or you know, you're having it on like a Coinbase or Binance or, or, or really whatever you want. Um, so that same mechanic on the output side exists on the B2B product, but the way that we integrate with but the payroll system is a little bit different. So um, we 
uh, have integrations with the various payroll systems, um, either automated or on an operational basis. And soon we're going to have access to, to um, automated integrations to up to 90% of, of all the payroll providers out there on the market. And you just come in, um, you connect you connect your payroll provider to our system, and then we're able to uh, have the employees create deductions um, uh, with, with the payroll provider. And then each pay period, we get uh, the, the report of those deductions um, and then create a transaction for you to just pay. So, so what does that really mean? It just means that you're an admin, you sign up, you connect your payroll provider, the employees choose what they want, and then you just pay the transaction on, on payday. So it, it becomes really, really simple and easy. Mm. That's hot. Yeah. So I'm going to be a little bit more animated than Corey. That's sexy as fuck. So <laughs> as someone who deals in HR on a, on a probably weekly basis and has been forced to learn a lot more about human resources than I ever wished to learn, that right there is like a grand slam. So, so my hat's off to you, sir. Like being able to, um, man, just, just being able to automate that and make it an employee election is, is, is very important. Right. Cause those are all the questions like rattling in my head is like, okay, where's the compliance burden fall on? Is it automated this compliance burden? Okay. I'm keeping a record of every transaction. Cause payroll is like, Payroll's nasty. I don't know, Corey and Jesse, are you guys familiar with like payroll, HR, that kind of stuff? No. Not yeah, that's why my animation is is, is subdued right now because I work with <laughs> payroll and this types of and compliance and jurisdictional <laughs> compliance across the globe. It's nasty. And so like it gets real complicated the moment you start spreading out to a bunch of different jurisdictions. Is that something that mm. you offer or are you limited to like where these services are offered right now? Yeah. So, so in terms of employee workforces um, and integrations with payroll operators, it's the the automation is mostly focused in the United States. Uh, That's a hard one to hit first. So, like, good. <laughs> yeah. And then when we're when we're when we're focusing globally, um, it's typically freelancers and gig gig workers where there isn't such a high level of. Um, payroll burden, payroll bureaucratic mm-hmm. burden. So instead that focus is really on, you know, uh, the, the simplicity of, of making the transfer and the flexibility for the workers. Cause internationally. Mm-hmm. So the interesting thing internationally for us is that, um, in the United States, people are really focused on, on mixing with a basket of crypto, but internationally people are doing, uh, Bitcoin stable coins in their own local currency. And the interesting thing here is stable coins, because, we get a lot of people who are not traditionally um, Bitcoin crypto people, but they don't want their local currency. They want access to the dollar. So our incorporation of stable coins gives them, gives them that access. And I've always been a big believer that stable coins are just, you know, the, the Trojan horse for, for, for Bitcoin really. Um, because, uh, because with stable coins, what's happening is you're, you're educating people on, public-private key cryptography. People are learning how to manage their public and private keys. And that's, in my opinion, 
actually the biggest hurdle for education because once you do that, um, it's probably just a matter of time for Bitcoin to look stable relative to fiat currencies. And the switch is a lot easier at that point if you already know your public-private key cryptography. That barrier to entry also um, is so much smoother when, like, say, like if you're if you're hedging and you want access to the dollar and you use a service like Bitwage to get it, uh, but you have additional availability to take a small percentage of what you're making in like relatively more risky assets. Yeah. Then you can you can slowly step your foot into that with like minimal barrier, and so in the event that that ends up paying out a lot more, then you can start to then dip your whole foot, your whole leg, jump in deep as much as you want to go, like at, at the slide the slide of a button, as a slide of a scale, right? And I think yeah. that's really really important is that like you give people what they need, uh, and at the same time lower that barrier of entry of like starting to like think about and try out investing in these higher risk assets with with like not a lot of risk or at least not a lot of like at, at, at low amounts to them low enough amounts to them so that they're not having to like really put forth their entire paycheck and then hope things go well right it's just like oh, i'll put five dollars in this paycheck and see how it goes or okay that worked out i'll do 20 this time or whatever it is yeah, and I, I think that there's there's a psychological component. When you're, when you're going to buy an exchange, you're usually thinking, I want to buy a Bitcoin or I want to buy like some amount, some 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 percentage of a Bitcoin. Um, and for a lot of people, it's daunting, right? The price of Bitcoin can be daunting to some people um, mm. or some of these other cryptos, right? And so what this allows people to do is instead of thinking of it in terms of like buying an entire coin, um, they think of it as just a, a small percentage allocation of their payroll, similar to how they thought about it into their 401k, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that this is this is what uh, makes the leap easy for people is that they already do something like this for investment. Their their first introduction to investment was an allocation of their payroll into 401k. Um, so it makes it easy for them to say, oh, if I just do $10 or $100 or, or whatever every month, um, I'm not. I'm not putting too much of my money in, but I'm. I'm getting. I'm. I'm, I'm still getting in, and I'm still getting that long-term appreciation. This is still like one of the most slept-on services in all of crypto, in my opinion. Right? Like everybody in crypto talks about closing the loop. You know, getting paid in crypto, living in crypto, living that crypto life. But in reality, it's very difficult. Right? I can't. I can't go to, you know, 7-Eleven and say like, hey, give me that bag of chips. Here's some wax. And he's like, what? The wax is a token. It's a, it's an NFT token, baby. It's worth real money. Take this wax. I'm taking my chips. It doesn't it doesn't work that way still. Right. It's, it's still very hard. But at least you can be getting paid in crypto and kind of automate that. And this is a huge service, in my opinion. But I got a real question here, not just be your cheerleader in this interview. So. <laughs> Where were you when you had this idea? Like, I want to know when it like struck you like lightning. You're like, wait a second, wait a second. I can help people get paid in crypto and I know how to automate it. Where were you? Do you remember? I know you had to remember because it's a great idea, obviously. So I was, I was 
working at at Oracle um, prior to prior to Bitwage. Mm-hmm. You know, I was really kind of a, a cog in their in their sales machine, and it wasn't that wasn't that exciting. I, for me, the lightning strike was more around my decision to just get into into Bitcoin and, and the cryptocurrency world, right? I I watched a uh, TED talk on the future of money, and Bitcoin was just one of these things. This was back in 2013, and I fell in love with the technology. In fact, I, I spent a month doing everything I could to learn about it, and I came out this obsessed Bitcoin guy, you know, telling everyone that they've got to buy, they've got to buy this thing. You know, the price of Bitcoin was $300 at the time, and everyone thought I was insane, right? Um, so which two of your that, friends thank you the most right now? Cause I know only about two of them listen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but, uh, uh, but the thing is, uh, I ended up connecting with my co-founder who's also this crazy Bitcoin guy at work. So we got together and we're thinking, you know, what exists in, in Bitcoin and, 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 and what doesn't. And, you know, at the time, smart contracts were not really a thing. Ethereum white paper had not come out. Um, and so we were just looking at, at the Bitcoin economy. And what we, what we noticed, as you had mentioned before, is that there wasn't a fully closed financial loop, right? We had merchant processors for collecting Bitcoin. We had wallets and exchanges for getting in and, and holding, but there was no way for there to be a full loop from merchants back to employees, and we said, "Okay, let's let's be the first ones to do this. Let's let's actually, you know, let's let's qu- quit our comfortable, boring job and and enter the world of of Bitcoin." So we we quit our jobs and we and we went at it. And I, I still remember um, I was talking to some family members about the project, and they didn't really believe in Bitcoin at the time. So when I, when I told them about it, they're like, Oh, you know, I'm sure your, your, your next, your next company will be a real hit. <laughs> and, um, Glad you're getting that experience and you're going to fail real quick. So you can see your next one works out. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, um, you know, uh, against all odds, it, it worked out and, uh, actually, uh, about those those friends of mine, they actually got pissed off because they bought at like a thousand dollars, and that was the height of a bubble in 2014. Um, mm. So for like four years, they hated me, um, and they they ended up selling at, like mm. to get their 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 cash back when when the price eventually appreciated. So, so sorry to those two friends that are listening. Mm, mm. Only only two of mine listened and right now they're they're pretty they're pretty happy. So um do you have an I'm sorry speech prepared? <laughs> I think that was it. Everybody who runs a company knows. They're like, no, no, not not, not that. That's not, so sorry, let me fill you in. So uh as we've interviewed more um leaders of companies over the years, uh we found out that certain aspects of what they build are centralized, certain aspects of what they do are a little bit guised to the public, probably for good reason. But when what happens in that guise ends up hurting the consumer, you got to have an I'm sorry speech ready as the CEO. You know, you get on there and you're like, I'm sorry. You know, I apologize. So (laughs) 
I guess in a nutshell, what I'm asking is, are there any things in your system that uh, consumers have to be wary about and you have to warn them ahead of time so that they don't hurt themselves? Hmm. Well, that's a good question. Well, um, you know, we aren't a fully decentralized service, right? Um, we have a full KYC onboarding that customers have to go through to, to use us. So while you don't need a bank account, you actually don't need a bank account to use us. You, you still need to go through a KYC process. Mm. You know, some people have unbanked themselves through us and, um, but, uh, I guess, yeah, I, in general, I guess that's the main thing that people have to go through KYC. And it's a little bit different than, than a traditional exchange because, uh, a traditional exchange, you are receiving money. Um, you are sending money and receiving money to accounts that you own. Whereas in our service, it's a third party that's sending the money, uh, to you. And as a result, when you sign up, especially to our B2C service, we ask for information on, you know, who your employer is, um, just so that, that we know that, um, but it's pretty light. Uh, it's a pretty light thing for, for users to have to, to have to onboard and, and I mean, provide. There's no way you could run a business that grows in America that didn't require those types of things. Like can you imagine like, Oh, we don't ask anything. Don't need anything whatsoever. Like if one, no one's going to trust you to like, yeah. Oh, I just sent my paycheck to this hole in the internet and uh i hope it shows up like i guess i hope i hope the assets i asked for show up or the or, or the opposite like no risk no reward baby you know what i mean it's just <laughs> just people kind of want that but it's it's a bit ridiculous when you're talking about salaried paychecks like Put my I paycheck had, in that box over there Jesse, i have another question but jesse do you have something yeah how did you how did you connect to all the right people, I guess, to build this out? Right. Cause everything starts like from an idea, like you, between you and your co-founder, how did you connect to the right people to kind of figure out the, the inner workings of how, um, how pay is distributed to different people through different service providers and all of that stuff? Like what was the legwork? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that, uh, there were, the experience is built up over, over years, right? I started, you know, I quit my job to go full-time on this in, in 2014. So what, seven years, it's been seven years. Um, in the very beginning, I still remember in the very beginning, it, John, my co-founder and I would, would meet up and, and he's, he was a Stanford alum. So we would actually, he was still living uh, on campus with his girlfriend. So so we would actually meet up at, at conference rooms at Stanford to, to work on this. And some of the earliest thing, the earliest things that I did is I put out job applications, um, looking for, Oh no, actually the first thing I did was, was watching videos of, of different companies talking to the U S Senate to learn more about the regulatory side of, of crypto. Um, so our first hire ended up being in compliance as a result of, as a result of that. But we put out job applications. We attended job fairs. We got some press from that and, you know, talking to, to, to all sorts of people back then, you know, lots of people were trying to, to get in on the ground actually. Uh, and we ended up finding, you know, several people who wanted to, to contribute and they, they helped. After that, we joined an accelerator called Plug and Play. 
um, which was also very helpful in terms of connecting us with with VCs, so we could understand that, connecting us within innovation groups of corporations, we could understand how that worked. Um, so we got connected into like the whole sphere of the startup innovation industry through uh, plug and the plug and play accelerator. Um, I think through there, there was a company that had gone through the accelerator prior to us where there was a guy in a crypto company who previously had payroll experience, um, ran like a, a payroll company. And so he mentored us for about, for about a year um, to, to, to help educate us there. But then after that, it really came from going to the customer asking enough customers until we found, you know, a few of them who were crazy enough to really want this, uh, in 2014. And based on what they needed is how we created, how, how we, how we sculpted the product and sculpted the proposals, you know, over time our, you know, my knowledge has become just much stronger talking with, with law firms and, and building out more products. Um, I spent a year focusing on creating a 401k product which we have a, an operational beta mm-hmm. for. Um, My guy. So you can have Bitcoin uh, in a 401k and eventually you're going to be able to have like a, a really amazing single sign-on process for Bitcoin payroll and Bitcoin 401k for you to manage on our system. Um, but uh, uh, in, in, in learning about that, uh, that whole process, I think I, I, I really got to understand the ins and outs of of the world of deductions, um, and our, our, you know, our, our, our business payroll product was not really um, that used from 2014 to until uh, the end of 2019. It's mostly our B2C product um, that was being used, and in 2020, with COVID sparking crypto and remote work, we started getting all this interest on the B2B side. And by then, I had already done all my on my work with the 401k to intimately understand how pre and post tax deductions work and how, you know, various systems and benefits interact with the payroll system. Um, that has enabled us to, to build to the state that we're in today. Ma'am, uh, based on that answer, would you thinking back of your former self when you got started, were you in over your head? Like, did were you like were you naive when you when you tried to bite this off, and, and then and like did you jump into water that was too deep, and now you're kind of happy you did because you've gotten to where you are? Yeah, yeah, I was I was very naive um, when I first started. We uh, we uh, applied to three different accelerators, and I thought we were going to get into all three. And, and part of my belief was, okay, let's quit our job because if we don't quit our job, they will realize we're not serious enough and we won't get into them. So, so I quit my job, John quit his job and we were expecting to get into all three, all three accelerators. The first one rejected us and then the second one rejected us. And you know, when, when the first two out of three reject you, uh, right after you quit your job, it's a, it's a little bit worrisome, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I, I now look back and I understand, you know, how, how early stage we were and how inexperienced we were and how crazy it was 
for us to have quit our job to, to build this, but we got into the third accelerator. Um, and that was so important because we ended up getting, getting uh, some funding from that that helped us keep going. Then like a year and a half later, again, we were almost out of funds and probably we were one to two months away mm. from completely running out of funds when we got uh, investment from, from Draper Associates. And that led to uh, a $650,000 fundraise, which was so important to get us to where we are today. So mm. th- th- there, were, there were a few moments in the beginning where, where BitWage almost didn't exist. And, uh, you know, we, no. we, we got by just in time. Um, but uh, I'm very thankful for where we are now, now that we have a, 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 real, a real business that's, that's affecting people and helping people. That's nuts. Did you guys like live off of ramen or something? Like when the funds get really low, you know? What's your favorite place? <laughs> I know you got one. Well, well, luckily when I was at a plug and play, they had like uh, free meals for lunch for us uh, as part of the accelerator. So I got that free lunch. So you just ate once day. a day. Yeah, free lunch. No, well, I got to eat other food. I mean, but but I, <laughs> but I I I definitely didn't. Um, I mean, you know, I was working at Oracle before, so I had some savings. So I was able to, to live off of that for a little bit. Um, but yeah, I was cooking at home uh, every day. I, I literally did not go out at all. Like my, my uh, only one day a week did I have free time. And basically the way that free time would work is my friend would come over to my place and we'd have a, a, a bottle of Jim Bean and we would <laughs> drink and, and play video games. And that was like my... You know, one day a it's week. A good time off. That's a good day. It is a good time. <laughs> <laughs> for for like a year. Um, but uh, yeah, so so it was really it was really you know hard living. But I was I was so um, passionate and inspired back then that that you know I all I wanted to do was work hard uh, every day. You know, ten to twelve hours a day, um, and. Uh, when when you have that kind of passion, you're you're willing to do anything. Well, that was the reason why I asked is because I think a lot of people are reluctant to start doing something because they're afraid they're not an expert or they don't already have like all the domain expertise of a given of a given thing. And it's like, and more often than not, the people who are successful are the ones that like were kind of naive in the beginning and they don't know what they're getting into, and they just got into it and they just through sheer grit and determination and, and passion got to the point of being having that domain expertise and knowledge and, and business and all business skills. And I think that's, that's a really important thing to kind of emphasize to people who may want to start a project that, or have a really good idea, but are scared to do it because they don't, they don't think they're going to like, they're not, they're not ready yet. You got to quit your job. You got to throw it all. I'm not saying, <laughs> I'm not saying like, <laughs> let's not go too far, but like, if you don't have to be an expert to start something, you should just like, if you have a lot of passion for something and you have a, you think you have a good enough idea, you should just probably just start doing it. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I think that, that the way I look at it now is it's important to have some kind of competitive edge when starting a company. One can be a competitive edge can be you have contacts, a competitive edge can be, you know, you have technical skills, but a competitive edge could also just be you have more um, uh, time that you can allocate than other people and that you're willing to, 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 
to 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 grind down to the you mean, bone. You mean you're right? single and you don't have a family? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or you don't care about them. Between the or lines. you don't care about those people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so usually usually I, I'd say that that if, you, if you're single and don't have a family and you're passionate about something, no. But um, I mean, it will require a lot of sacrifice if you don't have some sort of technical or business competitive advantage, mm-hmm. right? Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I just had a I just had a daughter recently, and uh, I can say that that uh, if I had been trying to do what I did back then with the daughter now, I mean, I don't think I'd sleep. Yeah. I would be I I'd be a zombie. <laughs> I have a I have like a fourteen month, and it's yeah, it's. <laughs> I could not have done what I have previously done. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't envy you guys. My girlfriend. I had another child, and it's yeah. <laughs> so I got a, a different a aspect we haven't gotten into this <laughs> that I think is um, really important that doesn't get talked about much is I'm I'm assuming uh, because you have a, a consumer facing product and a b2b facing product so some of some of your clients are, are are companies you get a lot of support tickets uh and they range tremendously uh based on expectations of a consumer or problems that go wrong in a myriad of ways from someone receiving their funds or they mishandled some aspect of it or or, or you, you fucked up and then from companies it's you know integrating from various ways to their payroll software to rules and regulations compliance or features that they need whatever right so like like that gives you a real good opportunity to figure out where a lot of the problems are both in what technology is missing in this industry as well as like the various holes and ignorances that that people have with respect to this technology like what have you learned from fielding the myriad of support tickets throughout the what six years you've been doing this yeah i mean it's it's a pretty good question um what have i what have i learned from the myriad of, of support tickets um i've learned that that people get get nervous when it comes to their paychecks. Um, the, 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 the funniest thing that happens is, so this usually, this doesn't happen with employees in so much as freelancers. Um, when freelancers, w- w- sometimes we'll be the first people that they come to complain to when they haven't received their payment, when the company never actually paid them. Um, mm-hmm. Which is a, a a pretty a pretty interesting thing is you know that someone will, will will invoice a company um, and they'll have expected it to be paid and instead of going to that company and asking them have they paid yet they'll actually come to us and be like where's your where's where's my payment and and we're just like well it hasn't come you should probably reach out to your company um, so Ooh, that's a bad news <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, there's nothing we can do right in this, in this scenario. And it happens, it happens pretty often. So I guess that's a pretty interesting, an interesting pain point is, uh, around sort of the expectations and the speed of, of, of freelancers getting paid, um, the, the, in the, in the general market. And, and, you know, the, the, the growth of freelancing and remote work is, it's just, uh, astronomical right now. I think there's like one and a half um, trillion dollars paid to, to freelancers globally, um, every year. Um, and that's like up 50% from, 
you know, I think like three years ago. Um, mm-hmm. So it's it's really crazy how fast that that market is growing. Yeah. And it's it's good that you have the intuition to see that that market won't always be growing like it is, right? It'll it'll go the other way. Um, maybe not anytime soon. Like right now, we're experiencing this flux of people freelancing, but it'll go back to people not freelancing because what will have happened is a small percentage of the freelancers will have done so well now now businesses, right? And they now need to pay employees, right? So that that's just a cycle that that never ends. And it's good that you're like, oh, okay, well, now I've got both of my products. I've got a business product, uh, you know, B2B and, and B2C. So that's it's pretty dope, man. Yeah. So, so like, what's your proudest moment so far in the, in the four years, sorry, not four years, six, seven, 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 seven years since you've been doing this, your proudest moment. Um, you can say birth of your daughter too. You can say that that's on the <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, I love, I love my daughter. I can't besides, <laughs> besides my daughter, besides my daughter, um, uh, I, I'd say that that you know my favorite things are, are happening now. We have cut, we have users who've been using us since we started. You know, really old long term supporters, and they're they're basically sending tweets out of you know how transformational Bitwitch has been because they've been getting ten percent of their salary in in Bitcoin since two thousand and you know fourteen. Jeez. Good for that. Transformational. I, I love I, I love that. That's like whenever whenever I, I hear people saying things like, you know, someone in Argentina who says it's a it's a lifeline for them to be able to 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 live um, because mm-hmm. we have a huge Argentinian customer base as well. Um, uh, these are the things that 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 really move me and, and, and get me excited. What assets do you offer? Like, what's the what's the basket of assets that you offer um, people? people are able to receive i mean right now um there's only three cryptocurrencies and uh four stable coins um so bitcoin and ether um we also have uh bitcoin cash and then stable coins the reason why we don't add a whole lot of other coins is because um it's not like a, an exchange where people want to be trading with like micro caps with their, you know, if you're getting your salary in something, you're not trying to dollar cost average into some sort of like $10 million micro cap coin. Right. And then on top of that, there's all sorts of securities law risk around offering certain coins. So we've actually been relatively conservative uh, on, on which coins that, that we offer. But internationally, people don't even want things that are not Bitcoin stable coins for their own local currency. Uh, it's only domestically. We are looking at other coins to add right now, but our approach is, you know, what would someone actually want to do a long-term dollar cost mm-hmm. average allocation into? This is not something for you to do buy, do a big buy and sell in six months that you can't. You, you can't really grow you you know your, your your stash like that through us this is more for people who are thinking about this long term thinking about generational wealth of you know that they're building you know this is like a five year ten year thing so mm-hmm. the people that use us are thinking I'm gonna do this and in five years or in ten years I'm gonna be way better off than if I had just done the you know uh, then if I just like tried to buy an exchange and then never done it because I was too scared to, right. Um, it puts a lot of the burden and, and thought process out of dollar cost averaging. 
yeah. as opposed to doing it after you receive your salary, putting it into an exchange and then doing it or whatever service you use. It's just like it's all that's all, all of the thought mm-hmm. of doing that is set it and forget it. And then you and you go exactly. with your day. Like the, uh, our producer has asked the question. She's changing it up here. Um, I'm kind of curious if you even have this type of data, like have you seen people change jobs and what percentage of customers have changed jobs for the better? Like for instance, like increasing their income. Um, to be fair, I haven't actually analyzed that part of our data mm-hmm. um, in terms of, but, but what I can say is how demographics have changed over the years. So maybe like, three, four years ago, it was a majority of software developers mm-hmm. that were using us. Uh, but now it's really expanded into, into, you know, all different parts of, of the sphere, right? We have people, we have marketing people, finance people, consultants, we have invest, you know, traditional investors like VCs or hedge fund people. We have, uh, people who are working for the United Nations, barista, coffee baristas, um, the whole the whole gambit, mm. um, and what this goes to show is how much more diverse uh, the industry has become. You know, I think you know we used to be one percent women, and now we're twenty five percent women, right? That are that are using our, our service. Um, so, um, what about like age in terms of like um, distrib- age distribution? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're really talking like the, the, the 25 to 40 year old range. Um, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that's, that's where we see the majority. You don't get a lot of, you don't get no a lot boomers. of boomers. <laughs> don't get a lot of boomers. Um, but I think that's to be expected. Yeah. How do you, that's a good question. How does it, how do you manage to fall off or fall out? Well, I guess what I mean by that is, um, well, I guess it's since they have their bank account and banking information in there, there isn't fall off if they change jobs. They're still sending money to the same bank account. So yeah, mind. I guess I answered my own question. Yeah, I mean, basically, if it's a, if they're using the B two C product, they would mm-hmm. they would just uh, you take that same bank detail and give it to their new employer. Yeah. Um, if they're using the B two B product, then they would leave that. But you know, maybe they might decide, oh, I still want to use, still want to use Bitwage. Um, you know, another interesting thing happens where some people use the B2C product and then they like refer their refer their colleagues use the B2C product and then they eventually get the company to sign up um, and then the company offers it there. Are there employee. any benefits there for like, for the, like, say for instance, I am a B2C uh, client of yours and then I f- somehow find a way to uh, get my company to just offer this service to everyone. Would that somehow or another give me a benefit? Like, is there a benefit to a company doing this over me using your service in terms of maybe fees taken out or um, additional features or services that are offered? Yeah, there there are benefits. Um, the first benefit is that the company can pay for premium for you, and a company pays fifty uh, percent the cost of premium compared to you as an employee. So, um, premium is like sixteen dollars a month, mm-hmm. whereas premium per employee for a company is, is $8 a month. Um, in addition, and, 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 you know, there's all sorts of, all sorts of different benefits you can see on our pricing page for benefit for a premium. Additionally, if the company is doing like a large amount of volume, 
uh, we can get better exchange rates uh, for them. Yeah. Mm. Juicy. So here's the, uh, you know, the elephant in the room. How much does it cost the consumer? How much does it cost the business? Yeah. So, so business basically doesn't pay anything unless they pay for premium. Okay. Um, and the base cost is uh, 1% on FX to crypto, uh, 2% uh, for stable coins. Um, but that can, that, can, that can change depending on a, a variety of different uses of the platform. Okay. All right. Hit him with the hit him with the standard questions. Corey, why do you look like you're about to fight somebody? Why do you look so angry? <laughs> Probably the way I'm sitting in the lighting. It's very ominous, isn't it? <laughs> look like you're about to box somebody. <laughs> oh, sorry. Jesse, do you think you're first? All right. Uh is what you do actually difficult? And you can interpret that to be however you want in terms of difficult. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that the most difficult thing about what we do is managing banking relationships. Um, I don't know how much you know about running a, a, a crypto company, um, but the banks hate crypto companies. And they do. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it's, a, it's really difficult to do that. So in terms of a new person starting up, the, mo- the, the most important thing is to, is to try to, 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 to get the banks to trust you which is really not an easy thing to do. Um, so that, that's really probably um, the, the most difficult part of what we do outside of you know, all the cybersecurity that's required to, 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 to keep the operations secure and flowing smoothly. On that, here's an opportunity to throw shade or more you know, some praise. What banks have you, have you experienced either like being like helping grease the grease the wheels to allow you to get this done or just make it incredibly friction like add incredible amounts of friction for people yeah i mean i, I don't think i want to name banks specifically oh um, um, Fargo, Corey, no, just, but, but let, let's just say that that we have had bank uh, accounts with like uh, maybe 40 different banks and we have lost bank accounts with like, you know, twenty five different banks out of mm, out yeah. of forty that we buy. And, the and they don't, you, they don't give you a reason. Think they of just a bank, off. If you can oh. think of a bank, we've probably interacted with them, and likely they 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 just shut us off. Um, mm. The thing is that that uh, there are some banks that we are working with now that we, we have high confidence in, but. Um, the, the the downside to working with those banks is um, the, the very rigid requirements of working together with them. So, um, uh, you know, it's no, it's not, it's not that great for the user experience. But at the end of the day, it allows you to actually run a company that's compliant and 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 legal and works right. Um, mm-hmm. So you kind of have to deal with those evils. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I can say that that uh, I'm not such a great fan of banks. <laughs> um, uh, from your perspective, that that carries a lot of weight too, because you're you're someone who's been interacting with them on a probably daily basis for seven years now. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and and, and 
you know, the process, the process of, of them shutting you down is, is never fun. Right. Because mm-hmm. we're just like, okay, you know, we're processing all of these people's payrolls. How do we, how do we make sure that there's business continuity? And we, we ever, we haven't ever had a, 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 an instance uh, where a bank shutdown has caused us to um, stop our, our uh, core business operations. Um, we have had to shut down like ancillary lines that may have had like one or two customers on it um, because like we couldn't, you know, we didn't have access to Eastern European currencies anymore or something like that. Um, but uh, in terms of like our base US, EU and UK, we've never, uh, we, we've, we've never had to stop our operations um, as a result of, of, of that. And uh, being able to pull that off is extremely difficult, I can tell you. Yeah, that's <laughs> off to you. Do one of those banks run with Fells Wargo? <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to say. No, I'm kidding. Stank, I'm kidding. Of, stank of Jamerica? Stank of Jamerica? Is that, is that <laughs> I think it's that. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, if, you, if, you've heard, if you've heard of it, it's probably one of those banks, you know. Yeah. So. And he hates all of them. <laughs> I think I think Snoop Dogg has a bank now. You might knock on that bank store. Yeah, He's selling NFTs at, at fight at fight things, so you might have some good chances of that one. Yeah, audience, you heard that right. Snoop Dogg, that Snoop Dogg owns a bank. So like a local bank. I don't know. I keep seeing advertisements for it due to my blackness. So yeah, I've never uh, seen those advertisements. So those are certainly so. directed directly to you. <laughs> so I'm just saying it like it is. I'm pretty sure Corey and Jesse aren't getting those ads. I'm not getting those advertisements. Yeah. Hey, baby, you look, you look like you need a bank, baby. Like what? what the fuck? <laughs> Anyways, um, have you thought about is that, is that actually the advertisement from the bank? No, no. no. <laughs> oh, just, I just saw it and like, I took a picture. You know, Jonathan has not received those advertisements as well. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He has not worked with that bank. <laughs> you need a savings, baby. Um, so, <laughs> sorry. I got some like, here's some like, have you guys thought of, I know you're really conservative. That's established. Obviously being conservative is way better in the long run. Everybody knows that, you know, it's like, you know, tortoise hair type shit. Everybody gets that. But have you thought of, you know, dwelling in the experimental stuff like, oh, these people can, you know, have, you know, some of their salary automatically go into liquidity pools. And then you've got some tokens. Are you going to go token? Or are you going to go non-token? Are you always going to be a privately owned company? Like, obviously, you know how to um, build a company in an innovative space. Have you thought of any of those things? Yeah, so... I think that one of the things, a couple of things that we've been thinking about, yeah, I think um, some kind of yield direct deposit into a yield account is something that we would do. Um, I'm I'm actually pretty skeptical about that stuff, though. Um, I would not I would not start with <laughs> sorry. Um, I would not start with uh, liquidity pools. Mm-hmm. I would probably actually start with CFI. You know how what that is um mm-hmm. because um you know at the end of the day with cfi uh you have someone to sue if it goes wrong right <laughs> um and mm-hmm. so that's a, a layer versus with DeFi and liquidity pools uh, you know people could people can just mess up a smart contract and your money's gone mm-hmm. and 
uh, I think that C5 is really the place to start with that. But you can you can still get yield, right? You can still get yield. So so I'm looking at things like that. Um, I also like the concept of of fast pay, which is when you get paid outside of your your typical payroll cycle. Um, there are already companies doing this without crypto involved um, in the market that basically connect to your payroll and allow you to get paid as you work. Um, but I'd like to do that with crypto to essentially enable like a, a, a near instant cross-border experience for, for fast pay. That would be dope. Yeah, that would be dope. You know, I'm not gonna, you know, no, I'm going to do this. Maybe you should talk to the good people at, at, uh, DeFi safety that give the the grades on what good DeFi protocols are and what aren't as you do your research for if you go down that pathway. Because like you said, someone could mess up a semicolon and then all of a sudden all the money's gone, right? And I'm, obviously I'm being, uh, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Exaggerate, exaggerating. But hyperbolic. if somebody... Hyperbolic. There we go. Um, although, although that did just happen. Uh, recently. Yeah, Sam found another one for three hundred fifty million dollars of a very, very relatively simple hack. Uh, especially for, for sushi. Three hundred fifty millions for sushi Jeez. swap was just saved by Sam. Um, so their their brand new miso product had uh, what I would what what would be considered a relatively simple problem in the smart contracts that it allowed basically around $350 million at current prices to be taken. That was mm. saved. No, there were no problems with anything because he saved it, but what could have been an issue? Yeah. Not the 600 million uh, shenanigans that happened with Poly Network. Mm. Yeah. I mean, so it's it's really, and, and, and people are getting lucky right now. I mean, because the the white hats are, 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 are currently winning, but you know, there, there, I'm sure there'll be a wave of, of black hats out there that 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 go after that stuff. So I, you know, again, my, my conservative hat prefers to start with CFI over over DeFi because you can still get that yield, um, and uh, you know, the money doesn't get lost because of a hack and everything goes away. It would get lost because you know they've got like a Market. shitty underwriting risk evaluation team that mm. you know makes terrible loans that default, but it wouldn't be a hundred percent loss. It'd probably be what, like a 20% or 30% loss. Mm. Right. Um, and doing something. Yeah. That. I'd like to pull uh, for the audience, a nugget of wisdom out of this interview that I found so intriguing that it was a first for me in doing this so long is that when you were thinking of building this product, one of the first things you did was watch C-SPAN like that to me. <laughs> Is hilarious that you were like, you know what? I want to make sure I get the rules right from the jump. So I'm just going to watch C-SPAN for a little while and see how they talk and what's what's important to them. And then build out from that, you know, cater to the audience that, you know, I want to be future proof for. So I thought that was that's a nugget of wisdom to you guys listening that like to move fast and break things. Don't move so fast you find yourself in jail one day for doing something stupid. <laughs> just watch a little C-SPAN for a few weeks, right? Figure out how they yeah. talk. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I talked to a, a, fellow, a fellow entrepreneur who he had this 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 interesting wisdom where when you evaluate when you're evaluating the legal environment, right? There's sort of the bar the bar of don't pass is like what will land you in jail, not like what will give you a fine. You know what's a gray area? It's actually great to work in gray areas. That's that's 
the gray area is the best place to work as a startup because you can sort of move fast in an environment that that an enterprise can't really move into because it's gray. Mm. Um, and you're basically betting on coming out white at the other end of the tunnel, right? That's like that's like the Uber model, really, the Airbnb model. Um, <laughs> but uh, so, but uh, really yeah, but uh, but you know, definitely making sure that it's uh, not crossing the line into into jail territory is is usually a good line to understand. Not, <laughs> not yeah, that's a good <laughs> good way to operate. Well, we'll ask our our last trademark question. And you know what? I think this will be good. We'll ask it the same way we asked it the first two times you were on um, to see if your your answer's changed. And that is, in 10 words or less, can you describe Bitcoin? 10 words or less. I would say... uh, Uh, permissionless censorship resistant digital gold. Okay. That's five words. So you passed that test. And, <laughs> you know, congratulations. And I don't think we have any more questions. Corey, you got any questions? No, I'm straight. That's no, great. Um, keep, keep it up, man. This is a service that's never really going to go away and or never, it can't go away, basically. The need is always going to be there. So thanks for sticking with us over the last seven years yeah thanks thanks for having me i guess we'll 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 talk again in four years and see how things have changed (laughs) sounds good all right so we'll we'll talk about one last thing and then we'll jiggity jiggity jet so uh ethereum quarter two trading volume on coinbase surpasses bitcoin fueled by the interest in DeFi. so this is an article ethereum has highlighted the potential of surpassing bitcoin after it emerged as the most traded cryptocurrency on coinbase for the first time during the second quarter of 2021. So Ethereum, I've said this a lot, and I hope that you guys listen to old Negro Dama sometimes when he's talking. Let me see if I can throw him up there. Bitcoin, although the community, if you're really involved with crypto, the 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 the, the Ethereum community is just a different flavor of the Bitcoin community four years like ago. Right. So Bitcoin seems to be like on a four year lag in both price and um, I don't know, virality of or of the community or vivaciousness of the community. They're the same. They do the same things They act the same way. They just do it in four year increments apart from one another. I think Ethereum is going to blow through its previous all time highs like never before seen this year and emulate the same exact market behavior as Bitcoin did in 2017. I think Ethereum is just going to just, for no reason at all, it's just going to just go up crazy-like. And then we're going to be like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And then it's going to come right back down to earth the same exact way Bitcoin did in 2017, 2018. If it does do that, yay for us. If it doesn't do that, then I'm just wrong. But I do, I, I, I just feel that like, I don't know, like some of the same conversations I had four years ago with the Bitcoin community are the same conversations I have with people in the Ethereum community right now today. I mean, everything, everything in crypto is pretty much going up as long as it's not being hacked. Yeah. Right. This is true. I mean, look at Ripple. Look at everything else. Like Litecoin. Like you just name a coin or name a token. 
Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's probably gone up quite a bit. Like a lot. Yeah. Like look at Cardano. You still sit on right? the sidelines, bro? You don't want in on this juicy action, bro? No, I'm kidding. We're not <laughs> I'm going to go in on Shiba Inu. You know, we were like, oh, how dare you? How dare you? <laughs> no, no. We don't talk about price. We do talk about price, but we don't talk about price. So, um, I mean, that's that's really it. Uh, <laughs> we don't have to too much talk about the Poly Network stuff that went down. We know there was a hack. So here's the funny thing: the same guy that hacked, I think, the 611 million, he just hacked another 350. He's going to give that back too, probably. And then no, Poly- 350 is a different guy, right? That's a different guy. Okay. Yeah. So supposedly, according to the rumors, we don't know no facts. Uh, it was a relatively easy hack, according to Corey and his security community. He said, yeah, it was a relatively easy hack. Um, so this is something like, I know Taylor, Taylor, if you're listening, Ms. Taylor Boynihan, CEO of MyCrypto.com, please, I know you're dancing because she's been like just profitizing, you know, for for years now. Everyone, please be careful with these damn DeFi protocols, like you're basically putting your money into a black hole and hoping that it comes out with the intended purpose. And yes, sometimes it does, but it's safe to say that arguably more often than not, it won't. So you need to be careful. You need to use things like DeFi safety so you can protect yourself, right? You need to be careful. You just do. I don't know. So these hackers are taking money left and right. The hacker that stole $611 million last week, Jesse, gave it right back. And then they offered him a job for half a million dollars. Yeah, because he couldn't move the funds. He could only move it back? I think he was blacklisted, right? Like the, the addresses were blacklisted. Hmm. I don't know. I don't want to even get into how deep that is. I know that the tether addresses were blacklisted, but I don't even want to get to how deep that is. Yeah. Mm. People probably want to kill you for stealing that much money. That's very true. It's very true. Yeah. Get that out of there. I just had a bidet thought. Mm hmm. You ready for it? Go for it. Nah, I'm not ready for it. It wasn't that good of a bidet moment. But anyways, we can wrap up. Okay. Uh, So please become a patron. Patreon.com slash the Bitcoin podcast. You could, you, yes, you listening right now, you could, if you pulled over and you became a patron, you get access to the meta episodes. You get access to early releases, and you get access to exclusive interviews that we release early on Patreon. Yes, you. We're talking to you for as low as a dollar, five dollars, and ten dollars a month. I do believe it's pretty slick. Join the Slack. Go to the BitcoinPodcast.com. Go to the navigation ribbon. Click Slack. If you're on your phone, click the navigation drop down. Go to Slack. You'll see a page on Launch Pass that will launch you into the Slack should you fill out that information. If you enjoy this podcast, leave us a review. Leave us a star that relates to the level of enjoyment you had listening to us today. We'd enjoy that. I mean, that's pretty much all I got, man. Jesse, you want to do the shout outs this week? 
Is that I, I can roll through the images for you? I'm no, you're giving the shout outs, bro. I don't, I don't know any of these people here. I'm I, gonna I'm gonna I click on the it. ones I do know. That's Drake. <laughs> That's Lil Nas. <laughs> Who else do I know here? Uh, gosh, I forgot her name. Margot Robbie. In, that's right. Yeah, Margot. I thought Robbie. Robbie. No. Yeah. Uh, who's this lady? I don't know that one. Osinaka. This is from you saying it enough. Zazie Beats. Is that mm-hmm. old old wide face? <laughs> uh, I I don't remember her real name. <laughs> that's, oh. that's sad. <laughs> She's always. Uh, yeah. There you go. Uh, the dude from Lord of the Rings. I don't think that's a shout out. I think that's a gift that we use for fun. Uh, the Doge from Dogecoin. These aren't shout outs. These the are the bidet just... that you actually sit on when you come up with your bidet thoughts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Shamu. No, wait, free right. really. We can close this out. I think. <laughs> we can close this out. I think I'm pretty sure that's not free Willy or Shamu. That's Daniel. That's <laughs> Daniel. Uh, and that's our sponsor. And our sponsor, baby, manscaped.com. All right, guys. Play the outro.